All right, so the title of uh, our talk this morning is called Light in the Darkness, okay? Light in the Darkness, and uh, I'm going to talk about how, I'm going I'm to use a lot of different examples, but I'm going to talk about how our culture needs you more than ever before. Our culture needs you. For those of you that have a relationship with Jesus Christ, our culture needs you more than ever before. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I pray that by the time I'm done talking, you'll realize you've got to have a relationship with Jesus. And he has a huge assignment for you. Um, you know, I, I love Charles Spurgeon. I love to read his writings. And, and he wrote this story about these two heart surgeons. One heart surgeon uh, had did of 150 heart surgeries, 150. And he was talking to another heart surgeon who had only done 15. And the heart surgeon that had only done 15 looked at the heart surgeon who did 150. And he said, out of the 150, how many of those people survived? How many of them did you save? And he said, three. Three. Out of 150, I was reading this and I was like, you got to be kidding me. And so the heart surgeon, Charles Spurgeon was writing this, the heart surgeon said back to the heart surgeon who had only done 15, he goes, well, out of the 15 that you uh, did surgery on, how many survived your surgery? He said, 13. And there was like this awkward moment. I felt awkward while I was reading it. Don't you feel awkward right now? <laughs> it's like, wow. It, and so at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many people got touched by the doctor. It matters how many people were saved. And we've got a full house this morning. Um, but here's the issue. It doesn't matter how many people are in this room. It matters how many people are going to go to heaven. That's right. right? How many people have a relationship with Jesus Christ? How many people pursue him? And so for me, when I stand before God, the Bible says that he's going to judge teachers more harshly than he judges everybody else. Um, he's got an expectation. It's kind of like I have an eight-year-old son. If he gets into junior high uh, and he can't add two plus two, I'm going to want to talk to his math teachers. Yeah. I want to know what in the world were you doing? He's in junior high. What in the world's been going on? I pay good tax money. What's going on? And she's going to, I'm, I'm going to want answers from her. But I know what you're thinking. Well, hold on a second. You're the dad, right? You're the dad. How do you let your son get to junior high and he can't add two plus two? I would say back to you, you're exactly right. Because I'm responsible as well. The teacher is responsible and the parent is responsible. And so I want to say, I'm going to be responsible for what you know. I'm going to stand before God and answer for it. Right. You are going to stand before God for your children. Yeah. I'm going to stand before God before, for your children as well. And so I just want you to know that we take that so serious. Uh, I was talking with a pastor the other day, and he told me that the pastor that he grew up in, that, that church that he grew up in, he sat down with him and he said, Pastor, how come you don't preach this and how come you don't preach that? And his pastor said, look, if you want to meet Jesus, if somebody wants to be introduced to Jesus... This is the church they come to. If they want to grow in their relationship with Jesus, then they need to go to somewhere else. I'm not throwing stones. I'm happy that he's comfortable with his assignment. And as long as you're preaching Jesus, I'm happy. I just want you to know that when you come to Celebration Church, I want to introduce you to Jesus. 
And then I want all of us to grow in that relationship together. Doesn't that sound good? I want us to grow. I want us to grow. So let's, let's dive right into it. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Next Sunday we'll be in 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry, we're in 1 Corinthians 6 today. Next Sunday we'll be in 1 Corinthians 7. Um, and if you want to come this Wednesday, we're going to be in uh, 3 John. All right? All right, so let's start reading. Um, here we go. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 6. It reads like this. When one of you has a dispute with another... How dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers? Don't you realize that someday believers will judge the world? He's talking about when we get to heaven. And since you are going to judge the world, can't you decide even these little things among yourselves? Now, there's a time where we need attorneys and we, because it's not a little thing. It's a complicated thing. So he's not talking about not using attorneys or lawyers. So if you're a lawyer here, you're welcome to come to church here. <laughs> he's not talking about... He's talking about little things. Uh, verse 3. Don't you realize that we will judge angels one day? So you should surely be able to resolve ordinary disputes in this life. Again, I want to emphasize little things, ordinary things. Uh, you don't need to go to Judge Judy because, you know, you're having an argument in your house. You, you ought to be able to deal with that in your house. That's what he's saying. If you have legal disputes about such matters, why go outside to outside judges who are not respected by the church? I am saying this to shame you. I want you to feel embarrassed about this. Isn't there anyone in all the church who is wise enough to decide these issues? But instead, one believer... He's talking about people in the church, family members. One believer sues another, and this is what I'm going to talk about, right in front of unbelievers. So here's the issue. The issue is not going to court. Sometimes you need to go to court. Sometimes you need a judge. Sometimes you need an attorney. That's not the issue. The issue is, is that believers should be unified with each other, and we ought to work things out amongst each other because People who are not Christians are watching us. Are you getting me? People who are not Christians are looking at us. And, and Jesus wants to show people who are not Christians, hey, this is what it's like to be in my family. I want you to be in my family too. Look at, they're blessed. They're favored. And I want you to be in this family as well. And so he's saying, hey, Stop airing out your dirty laundry in front of people who are not in the family. We're trying to get people to be in the family. And if you keep talking bad about people who are Christians and you're a Christian yourself, people aren't going to want to join the church. It's kind of like I have a, a, an eight-year-old little boy. You guys just met him. And, uh, and I'm talking to him all the time. I'm saying, look, family business is family business. How many parents can say amen to that? In other words, don't go tell people what we're talking about. Right? Don't, don't go air out dirty laundry. And, and that's what he's saying here. And, and if you really get down to the nuts and bolts of the matter, what he's saying is God loves his people so much. He allowed his son to be crucified for them. And so let's get as many people as we can to serve not this God, but this king. He is the king. Now watch this. 
Um, we've got some people here that met Prince Charles, and uh, they're sitting in this general area over here, and they told me about it. And I was like, wow, that is so cool. One person who will never get to meet Prince Charles is me. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just saying people that make scenes are not allowed in Buckingham Palace. And I make a scene. I'll be like, oh, Pippa's here. Pippa. Pippa's here. You stole the limelight at the way. Hello, Pippa's here. She ran a marathon. I'm, I'm like, I'm obnoxious about famous people. I don't know what it is. I get awestruck, right? Pippa, Pippa, Charles, 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 take a selfie. Um, you know, but once we're in there, there's a certain pomp. There's a certain way you address royalty. There's a certain way you act. There's a, there's a certain way you do things with royalty. And God is a king and he's royalty. And it's our job as children to recognize that he has his way. There's things that he wants his kingdom to be like. There's a pomp. There's a circumstance. There's an order. And, and he shares with us what his order is. The things that he doesn't like. The things that he does like. I can't walk into uh, Buckingham Palace and, and say, Charles, here's the deal, man. Can I call you Chuck? Is that cool? Is that good? Can I call you Chuck? All right, first of all, the guys sitting out front with the big things up there, I feel bad for them. They've been staring. There's people going, oh, 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 trying to make them laugh. I feel bad for them. I don't think they should have that job anymore. It's a ridiculous job. They don't even have a gun. What are they doing? <laughs> I can't, regardless of what my opinion is, it's his kingdom. He is the prince. He gets to decide. It's my job if I want to be welcome there. It's my job if I want to be in relationship with him is to follow his way of doing things. And that is our job as children. If we want a relationship with the God who loves us so much that the Bible says that it's so deep, it's so wide, it's so great that our minds cannot even imagine it. We need to know what does he like. And so what he's saying here straight off the bat is, hey, look, we want to bring as many people to be a part of our family as possible. So if you're going to fuss at each other, don't fuss at each other in front of non-believers. Because here's the thing. All of us are supposed to be light in a dark world. Now watch this. This is how we're supposed to walk around. It feels a little uncomfortable walking around with a lamp just like this. Just going to be honest with you. It feels uncomfortable. Uh, it feels uncomfortable holding it like this. And I, and I just want you to know that we are outnumbered. We are outnumbered. There are less Christians, Bible-believing Christians, um, in the world today than there are non-believing Christians. We are in the minority. And so it requires three things for anybody who wants to be a light, who wants to do this. And, and he mentions this. He says, hey, look, look, don't argue amongst yourselves in front of non-believers. We're supposed to, in Matthew, it says we're supposed to be a light to them. We're, Jesus is not here anymore. His spirit is here, but he's looking at you and I. It's, it's our responsibility. Everyone say it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility. Look at the person next to you and say, is that your real hair color? Just go ahead. There's three things. There's three things. If we are going to be the light, if we're going to be the light, 
There's three things we got to do. Number one is we have to embrace the truth. That's number one. Number two, we need to embrace the responsibility. And number three, there's a methodology to this. There's, there's a method to this. There's a method. So you embrace the truth you embrace the responsibility, and you embrace the method. Let me talk about the, tr- the, the light. I'm sorry. You embrace the light, the responsibility, and the method. Let me talk about the light. The light is Jesus Christ in this Bible. So you cannot share and help people. You can't do this properly unless you embrace this. So you can't do this unless you embrace this. You can't do this Unless you embrace this. What is this? This is you saying, hey, I know a man. Let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus, if you have a relationship with him, you're going to have eternal life. If, If you have a relationship with him, there's this comforting presence. The more you cultivate that relationship, the more you feel that comforting presence. And number three, he fights for you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, he fights for you. One of my favorite scriptures is in the Living Bible, Psalms 56, 9. Every time you pray, the tide of the battle changes. Do you know you got people around you, their battles are overwhelming them inside their family. You got people around you, the battles are overwhelming them financially. They need somebody to say, hey, girlfriend, let me tell you something. Have you prayed? I know you're working hard. You're working four jobs. I know you're trying to hold your family together. I know you and your son aren't getting along right now. But have you prayed? Because the Bible says every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. You know, um, I've got a friend of mine um, who is really good friends um, with, um, I feel like a name dropper, but he's not my friend. It's her friend, um, uh, with uh, Blake Shelton. And um, Blake Shelton's on the cover of every single magazine. And, uh, and she said to Blake, she goes, you know what, what's going on here is, is, is this is a Jesus issue. This is a Jesus issue. She's going like this. This is a Jesus issue. You know what Blake said back? Some of you don't know who Blake is, and that's okay. I'll get back to the Bible in a second. Blake Shelton said this. He goes, and how old are you again? And this is my friend that answered that. She goes, I'm 21. He goes, my gosh. You're 21 years old and you're getting this figured out and, and I, I can't get it figured out. Just holding it like this. This is a Jesus issue. Look, I, I just want to share with you, we got to do this. We, we've got to be the light in the darkness. Point number one is to embrace the light. It reads like this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 4. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. We've got to embrace this. We've got to wholeheartedly, let's not call ourselves Christ followers if we only like this part of the Bible, if we only like this part of the Bible. If we back up and go, well, I just don't believe that. Well, I just don't believe that. The Bible says that we're liars. Now watch this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, it gives this list of areas that are controversial right now. They're controversial. They're in, 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 so watch this. It says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Not everybody is going to go to heaven. Did you know that? The Bible says that wide is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path and a few people inherit it. If you're going to come to Celebration Church, 
I'm telling you, we're all going to go to heaven together because we're going to read the entire scripture and we're going to find out who gets in and who doesn't, all right? I'm not going to tell you three poems in a story. We're all going to feel good about each other, give each other a high five, and then when you stand in front of the king, he's going to go, what are you talking about here? That's not going to happen. So watch this. He says this. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God. By calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Now what he starts talking about here is he's saying, hey, look. This is what he's doing. He's saying, hey, for those of you that want to be a part of the kingdom, for those of you that want to follow Jesus Christ, don't do these things. That's what he's saying. Don't do these things. Now, let me say this. There's a difference between weakness and wickedness. All right? So all of us have a weakness that we know. So long as you have flesh on our, bo- our bodies, all of us have a weakness. Don't let the enemy tell you that you're wicked and you're going to hell. The, the issue is, is, is it a practice? Is it a lifestyle? Or is it an area where you go... God, I know you don't like that. I need your help. If I'm going to stop, I need your help. Or is it on the other side of the spectrum where it's like, look, it just is what it is. And I just believe, I just, I just, I just believe, I just believe I can do it anyway. And I'm still going to go to heaven. It's an attitude issue. It's a heart issue. Everyone say it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Look at the person next to you and say it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Somebody's got to come along and say, hey, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. He's a king. He's a, he's a God. And he loves you. And he's your father. And, and he sent his only son to die for you. Nobody loves you like he does. But he has a way, a culture. When I go to Mexico, I love going to Mexico on vacation. When I go to Mexico, there's a culture. There's a culture. I go to Canada, lots of maple syrup, lots of maple syrup, lots of maple syrup. There's a culture. There's a culture. There's a steak restaurant that I'll never go back to again because Allie grew up in Vancouver. And I walked in, I was like, what's up? And the hostess just looked at me like I had lost my mind. I said, I need, two, I, I need a booth for two people that can pound a ribeye because we're about to pound one. I need a booth for her and I, we're going to pound us a cow. <laughs> See, you guys laugh. I thought it was kind of funny. This, ca- this Canadian girl was like, why are you so loud? <laughs> why are you so loud? The, and we were asked, the waiter, why are you so loud? And I was like, I'm not loud. I'm not loud. I, why are you whispering? <laughs> There's a cultural difference. There's a cultural difference. God has a culture in his family. If I come to... How many of you sleep with your door closed in your house? Your your bedroom door is closed. Go ahead, raise your hand. Your bedroom door is closed. How many of you put your hands up? Your bedroom door is open. Go ahead. 
Listen, raise your hand if you're okay with eating dinner in the living room. Come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand if that's not okay. Come on, that's not okay. You see what I'm saying? Every family has a culture. Every family has a culture. God has a family. You are in His family. There's a culture. There's a culture. And we have to say, hey, if we're going to be in His family, there's a culture. If I come in your house and you say, hey, we all sit together and we eat dinner together as a family. And I go, whatever. I'm going in the living room. I'm going to watch reruns of, I don't know, cops. It's <laughs> the only thing that came to mind. Sorry. And I'm saying, that's not allowed in your house if that's not the culture of your house. Now, I can say, man, you guys are crazy. You guys have lost your mind. You guys are stupid. I don't know if I want to come back here or not. And you can say, you're welcome to come back. We want you to come back. We like you. I love you, hypothetically. I I love you. Come back. But this is the way it's going to be in our house. Are you with me? So we got to back up and we got to say these things. Now, let me just say this. There's a very important scripture for everybody here. If there's a weakness that you have, you know God doesn't like it. You know God doesn't like it, but you just can't help it. The best way to illustrate this is like, I'm not going to eat chocolate for two weeks. And you stare at the chocolate when you're checking out your groceries. Here's the thing. The Bible says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. If you walk in the Spirit, your flesh, the things that God doesn't want you to do, you will begin to stop doing. What does walking in the Spirit mean? Walking in the Spirit is putting your mind's attention and your heart's affection on God. The more you do that, The more you do it in your car, in your office, in the bathroom, in the lunchroom, in the cafeteria, the more you do that, the less you will want to satisfy these lusts of the flesh. Imagine this. My right hand is my spirit. My left hand is my flesh, and it does all the things that God doesn't want me to do. I've got a dumbbell here. If I'm working this one out, if I'm working my spirit out, my spirit is constantly being worked out every day. It's naturally going to get bigger and stronger than my flesh. If I'm working my flesh out every day, then it's going to be bigger and stronger than my spirit. And what ends up happening is, uh, this is a word for somebody, whichever one you spend attention to, Whatever you give your attention to gets your affection. And whatever doesn't get your affection, you are an enemy of. So if you are praying and loving God and worshiping Him, and you're trying to do it as much as you can, as often as you can, sometimes it's appropriate to be out loud, but sometimes it's appropriate to be in your head and in your heart. You will look at sinful things and not have... It's just like, ugh. But if you're working this out, you will look at church things and Bible things and be like, ugh. Do you see what I'm saying? You walk in the flesh, 
you satisfy the flesh. You walk in the spirit, you satisfy the spirit. And so when we back up and you, you hear somebody say, well, I just think the church is a bunch of rah, 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 you already know. You already know. Well, I just think that preachers, I already know. I already know. You don't even need to finish it. I just think, I know that those people will not inherit the kingdom of God. I know that's what the Bible says, but I just believe. Am I preaching good? Am I preaching good? I just believe. Whereas the Bible is like, hey, this isn't a vote. Right? Did, did, did Prince Charles get voted in? No. See, Americans, we have trouble with the Bible. You know why? Because every four years we get to vote for our president. So we have a voting mentality. Well, I don't like that. I, I, don't, I don't like that. <coughs> Prince Charles didn't get voted in. They don't have a voted mentality. They were born <laughs> king. Prince. Wow. That's pretty awesome. There's no voting. America's, uh, America, Americans, sorry, I can barely talk. Americans were like, well, I want to say so around here. I want to say so. There is no say so in kingdoms. There's no say so in kingdoms. But the good news is, is that you're not, you're, you're not under somebody that's mad and angry. You're under somebody that says, I love you. I love you. I, I gave my son for you. My son. My son. I love you. This is just my culture and this is my way. Somebody's got to come along and go, I got, I got something to say. I got something to say. I got something to say. Um, let me see. Uh, I, I read this story recently uh, about this, this ship um, that was in, in, the, in the ocean and uh, it was arguing back and forth uh, with, it looked like there was going to be a collision. And um, I laughed my head off so hard, I literally read the article. It's a true story. I got on YouTube to see if somebody, if, if they made a movie out of it or somebody. Well, some producing studio did like a 60-second clip uh, of this true story. Um, I'm going to let you guys uh, take a look at it. Again, this is the USS Montana requesting that you immediately divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid a collision. Over. Please divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid collision. This is Captain Hancock. You will divert your course. Over. Negative, Captain. I'm not moving anything. Change your course. Over. So, this is the USS Montana, the second largest vessel in the North Atlantic Fleet. You will change course 15 degrees north, or I will be forced to take measures to ensure the safety of this ship. Over! This is a lighthouse, mate. It's your call. Hello? This is, this is the lighthouse. It's your call. <laughs> The lighthouse isn't going anywhere, is it? Hey, it's your call. Do what you want to do. I, I just want to let you guys know, God's not moving anywhere. It's your call. It, it's your call. It, you do what you want to do. All right, number two is embrace the responsibility. 
um, I'm going to just cruise through, cruise through a few examples here because if we are going to be the light, you have to choose whether or not you're going to live being the light or if you want to choose, I just want to go to heaven. I just want to go to heaven. I'm going to follow Jesus. I just want to go to heaven. I know I'm supposed to be a light, and I know I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus. I'm supposed to tell them, invite them to come to church and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to just, I just want to go to heaven. Um, I want to challenge you today to accept the responsibility, and this is why. America is not sliding down a slippery slope. We have fallen off the cliff, Okay. America does not have a biblical worldview. It has a personal worldview. And there's... Let me give you a few examples. Um, the University of Oklahoma. Uh, they wanted to... Some of you heard about this in the news. They wanted to... They, oh, actually, they actually had it up. Uh, a statue of the Ten Commandments. Raise your hand if you've heard this in the news. Statue of the Ten Commandments. Well, this satanic group came along and they said, well, look, if you get a statue of the Ten Commandments, then, then we want this statue of Satan right next to it. This was just a couple weeks ago. Raise your hand if you've heard this story. Go ahead, raise your hand. Uh, just a couple weeks ago. Let me, let me read a, a, few, uh, a few headlines. Um, from the, the Oklahoma American Civil Liberties Union says, unless the people of the entire state agree with this message, then the Ten Commandments has to come down. Or, now watch this, it's an unconstitutional double standard. So you get the Ten Commandments, then we get a, a, a statue of Satan. That's a nine-foot statue right there. Um, we're sliding. It's in the, it, let me give you another example. Legalized polygamy, which means you can, it's legal to be married to more than one wife, which I don't know why anybody would want to do that. <laughs> Just saying. All right, watch this. Uh, a few weeks ago, there was a ruling um, that same-sex marriage uh, was okay. Uh, if you haven't heard about that, I want to just tell you to stop sleeping under a rock, okay? So same-sex marriage is okay. Now, what that's done is now opened up the door to a plethora of things, including polygamy, which, again, means that you can be married to more than one person. Let me give you a quote. This is from uh, Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts. He says this, Although the majority randomly inserts the adjective to in various places, it offers no reason at all why the two-person element of the core definition of marriage may be preserved while the man-woman element may not. So what he's saying is, hey, we've already decided that marriage is no longer just between a man and a woman. So if we're going to pull that out, let's take this a step further. Why does it have to just be two people? Okay, now watch this. Let's continue to read. This is uh, from Chief Justice Roberts. Indeed, from the same standpoint of history and tradition, a leap from opposite-sex marriage to same-sex marriage is much greater than one from a two-person union to plural unions, which have deep roots in some cultures around the world. So what he's saying here is, hey, if we're already changing between a man and a woman, let's go ahead and discuss how many people can be married at one time. Some of you might be thinking, oh, that's crazy. That'll never get through. That's what we said about same-sex marriage 20 years ago. 
Now, let me say this. In 2001, 7%, this is a recent Gallup poll, 7% found polygamy immoral. No, 7% found polygamy morally accepted. 7%. Today, it's 16%. We're just, we're moving. We are moving in that direction. Let me give you another example on, on why this is so important. I need you to accept the responsibility. I need to accept the responsibility. The nation, the culture, your neighbors, the high school, it's moving too fast away from the Bible. Um, Let me give you another example. The age of consent. Uh, How old a child can be before they can have sex. Uh, November the 13th, 2014, the New York Times put out a story of the second largest school district in the United States. Uh, The name of the school district is the L.A. Unified School District. Um, The officials are coming under fire for allowing their attorneys to argue that a 14-year-old student was mature enough to consent to sex with her middle school math teacher. This is the the district, okay? Um, And so they're taking a strong position that the age of consent must change. The federal law says that at the age of 12... This is, this is law today. At the age of 12, you're old enough to decide if you want to have a sexual relationship. But there are, there's, there's, what's the word that they use? There are restrictions. At 18, there's no restrictions, okay? But at the age of 12, the U.S. government says that's the age of consent. So there is, in the North American uh, Man-Boy Love Association is coming against the ageism. Listen to this. They think that 12 is too old. They think that any age, a toddler, three years old, four years old, five years old, is just fine. And that's the way it should be. Watch. Let me read it to you. Ageism refers to age-based discrimination. This is their point of view. And includes the tendency to discount and devalue the feelings and opinions of children and youth. Age of consent laws are those which say that if you are under a certain age, then what you say doesn't matter. We believe young people would be much better protected by laws and social attitudes that take their opinions, feelings, and decisions into consideration. Further, in general, we advocate changes in society and the law to include greater respect and consideration for children and youth. Not merely in the abstract, but in, the, in each individual case. We reject cookie-cutter approach often used by authorities, moralists, and legislators who presume to know what someone else wants without asking them and who claim to know what is best for every person without having met them. This association is saying this, hey, I'm a man, I'm a grown man, I want to have a sexual relationship with a boy. You don't know this boy, you didn't ask this boy, let the boy make the decision on his own. Do you see this? Let me give you another example. Bestiality, sex with animals. That was out loud. Bestiality brothels are spreading through Germany, warns a campaigner, as abusers turn to sex with animals animals as lifestyle choices. 
So look, where is this all going? Now we're saying, hey, you can't tell me if marriage is between a man and a woman. You can't tell me anymore whether I can have two wives, five wives, or 19 wives, or 17 husbands. You can't tell me that anymore. You can't tell me that I can't have sex with a little boy. You can't tell me that. He needs to be able to make his own decision. Hey, if I want to have sex with an animal, then I can have sex with an animal. It's a lifestyle choice. Here's my question. If you're not going to say that the Bible is the absolute, and you want to say, or you want to let somebody else say, and let people say, who gets to make the choice and when do you stop? When do you stop? We say, well, I don't think we should tell people. I don't think we should tell people. Okay, okay, do you have any kids, first of all? I've got a 20-month-old little girl. I've got a 7-month, uh, an 8-year-old little boy. I'm just going to tell you right now. Things are not going to be pretty if somebody does something sexual to them. I'm going to kill everybody in their whole family. I'm just going to tell you right now. <laughs> and the whole family, the whole family is going to go down. <laughs> just saying. But we need, to, we need to take this responsibility. We need to accept the responsibility. Being quiet should not be an option. Uh, let me just say this. I, I know we're busy. I know we're busy. I know there's other things in life that, that are, are, are crazy, that distract us. But I just want to continue to say, I want to continue to say over and over that we've got to, got to, got to embrace the light. Embrace this as the unfallible truth. We've got to. We've got to. And let me just say this. The whole book, the whole book, the whole book. I've got, I've got a Rolodex, so to use an old world, of, of all, my, all my friends are senior pastors. Uh, I, I just, a lot of my friends will not touch. They will not touch. They won't touch it. Why? Because they know people are not going to come back if, if they touch it. They know it. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says this, in the last days, people will go around looking for teachers who will tickle their ears. They won't come back. I'm not coming back. Here's the thing. We need to embrace from cover to cover, all the way back to maps, okay? All the way back to the maps. If it's in the Bible, now here's the thing. We got to do it. We got to do it. Now, Let me, thank you. If, if you guys don't let me finish, the children's workers are going to be real mad. Um, thank you for that. All right. We need, I, I know that we're busy. I know that we've got things in our life that are going on. But I also want to encourage us to embrace the method. Okay, let's embrace the method because the method is not to go around and to tell people that they're living in sin and they're going to burn in hell. Because as soon as we start talking like that, we forget that we too have an Achilles heel. All right? So we can't talk like that. Uh, we got to remember that the same blood of Jesus that they need, that other people need, we need, right? We need, we need. Hey, here's the thing. I don't struggle with homosexuality, but I do struggle with other things. Uh, I've got a mouth. It's like this big. Okay? And, and it doesn't stop sometimes. I know, that's, I know you find that really hard to believe, okay? 
it, it doesn't stop sometimes. And, and sometimes my greatest strength can be my greatest weakness. And I don't know when to shut my fat mouth. And so you can cause a lot of harm if you don't wrangle in your tongue. And so somebody like me, I can't judge somebody for having a, different, a sin that's different than mine. Did you hear me say that? You can't judge somebody for having a sin that's different than yours. So there has to be a certain methodology that we all have to agree on. And, and it's biblical. Um, there's a quote that reads like this. It's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. When we begin to invite friends to church, when we begin to say, you know, a lot of times if you're quiet, silence is interpreted as approval. Did you hear me say that? Silence is interpreted as approval. And so rather than saying, you're so wrong. No, no, no. Let's just light a candle. Let's just be that bright spot. Be that encouraging person. Be that person that's accepting it and embracing it. You know, um, I, I want to share this thought. That it's, it's God's heart to express, to express himself through us. But we cannot express something that we have not experienced. You cannot express something that you have not experienced. I cannot tell you what the Sahara Desert is like. I can't tell you. I've never been there. We have to experience it. I can't tell you what Niagara Falls is like. I've seen videos and I saw Superman fly down there. In Superman 2, I saw Superman fly. I can't tell you what it's like. You have to experience it. And I'm going to tell you something. The way you experience it is not sit here and only read it. You've got to come and talk with him. But you can't only talk with him and not read it. It's like trying to eat a hamburger with one slice of bread. It's possible. And you will eat it. But it's not as good as it should be. Uh, let me just close with this last thought. For those of us, there, there's reason to get distracted. But there's this stat here that says, how many people here like your job? Let me raise your hand real quick. How many people here like your job? Let me see you. You like it? Are you sitting next to your boss? 30%. 30%. Honestly love their, their job. 30%. Um, 52% are disengaged. In other words, they're there, but they're not thrilled about being there. 18% are, I like this term, actively disengaged. <laughs> you know what actively means? Oh, I know you just didn't. I know you just... Actively disengaged means, and I read about this, they walk around the office telling other people that they don't like being there. Um, here's, a, here's an interesting stat right here. Uh, four out of 100 people are sociopaths. Sociopaths are people that have no empathy or affectionate feelings for human, human beings or animals. Four out of 100. Uh, what that means is one out of 25. So just look on your row right now. <laughs> about 25 people on each row. See if you can pick them out. There's so, one out of 25 is a sociopath. 
there you go, there you go. Here's the thing. Uh, Here's something else that that I read recently. um, That stupid, being stupid is actually more accepted than what people think. Yeah. Uh, In fact, there's a stat that says 19% of men say they wouldn't mind being stupid as long as they had a perfect body. Mm, that's a that's a hard one. That's a hard one. I don't know. I don't know. All right, you got to be stupid, but you get a six pack. Mm. It's like you want to say, "Time out." You're stupid, and you don't have a good body. All right. Uh, here's something else for those of us um, uh, that um, like to watch TV. It says that 35 percent of people who watch TV yell at their TV. That, let's just let's just round up here, okay? Um, that that would mean that what what like forty percent, right? Let's just round up. Um, that's four out of ten. All right, we're in church. Can't lie. Raise your hand if you have yelled at the TV before. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> In 1950, 7% of Americans dyed their hair. Now, 75% do. That's three out of four people in this room. (laughs) But you know what? It's nice to have options, isn't it? It's, It's nice to have options. Why did I just go down that list of stats? Isaiah, why don't you come on up? Why did I go down that list of stats? Because there are so many things in life. I call them duck nibbles. They're irritant problems, but it doesn't have any teeth. It's not going to hurt you. It's distracting. It's irritating, but it doesn't have any teeth. It's not going to hurt you. But all these duck nibbles, all these irritating things distract us from what God is calling us to do.